Happy Valentine's Day. This is Hadley Thorne, and I would like to welcome you to the first episode of Weird Realities, Inc. Um, we're a spinoff of Weird Realities. In addition to the Weird Realities podcast, James Irby and I will be bringing you Weird, Inc. twice monthly as we explore the world's most fascinating, strange, and inexplicable mysteries with the writers and filmmakers who are in the field researching and investigating them. Now, before we get into today's topic, if you're a fan of mythology, folklore, and the supernatural, um, be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and follow button and track us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All right, now let's get into today's topic. James, I don't know about you, but I am extremely excited to be learning more about the mystery surrounding the crystal skulls phenomenon today with the crystal skull explorer himself, Mr. Joshua Shapiro. The uh, I'm I'm super excited as well. This is a topic that has uh, been popularized in movies and television and books, um, but it's a very real entity entity that uh, exists in our world. Um, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Um, so I'm I'm also extremely excited today to talk to Mr. Shapiro. So uh, Mr. Shapiro, what uh, what sparked your interest and got you uh, excited about the Crystal Skulls? Well, first of all, James and Hadley, thank you for giving me this chance to be on your show and the first one you're doing. So that's always good for me. I like to be the first. Uh, please call me Joshua through the interview. I don't know who Mr. Shapiro is, you know, first term basis here. We're all external family. So anyway, how I, how I got started with Crystal Skulls, but I, what I'm kind of feeling is let's go through a definition first. So we make sure that all of your listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so as the, the term crystal skull implies, originally back in the 1800s, there were coming out of Mexico and Central America in the ground where these kind of very old objects that were made out of quartz crystal that were in the shape of a skull. Could have been a human skull, could have been a stylized skull. Um, so they just called them crystal skulls. And actually, there was um, two museums uh, in Europe and, and one in Mexico City, one in London, one in Paris, where they actually had on display in the 1800s, late 1800s, they had crystal skulls. And they were associating, associating them with probably Mesoamerican people because they were finding it in the ground with ruins of them. However, uh, as we go into today's time, the definition of a crystal skull is not just a piece of quartz made into a skull. We have modern carvers and a family of carvers who are carving these skull-like objects from every type of gemstone that you can imagine. So I've seen a lot of them, but my uh, strongest affinity is towards the crystal skulls. And when I say affinity, I mean energetically. Um, you know, I've worked with some of the, some of the other ones. Now there are four different classifications of crystal skulls that people in the crystal skull community will discuss. So the first type is, is called a modern or contemporary skull. These are ones made by modern carvers. They use diamond tip tools, uh, especially with quartz because quartz is a very hard substance. And I've actually watched some modern carvers, like there's one particular crystal skull we have, it's called um, Portal de Luz, Portal of Light, that is made out of uh, smoky quartz that came from Brazil, made by a Brazilian carver. It's a little damage from traveling with him all over the world, 
So I remember I watched this carver in uh, Switzerland was using a diamond tip too. And I was kind of like, you know, oh, I don't feel good about it. It's like a, like your kid, you know, while having surgery or whatever. But <laughs> the carver knew what he was doing and that diamond tip cut through the quartz like butter. So um, what I'm saying by this with the modern skulls is that it really takes a person who's very talented to be able to make something like this. And especially if it's going to be very close to what a human bone skull is like. So- and the sizes on the sizes on these are roughly roughly the size of a human skull or slightly smaller, right? No, they could be any size at all, from a little little marble size to larger than a human size skull. Oh so wow. It, it just depends on who the carver is now. So that's the first category. The second category is called old, which basically refers to a crystal skull that was made from a hundred years ago. And then it depends which kind of person you're talking to could be a thousand or 2000 years ago. Um, and these skulls, the ones that I've seen, which I believe to be old, they seem to have a more uh, primitive form to them. In other words, where the modern carvers now with the diamond tip tools are very skilled and they can make replicas that almost look exactly like a bone skull now. Um, these carvers of the older skull you know, they didn't have these advanced tools. So, you know, they still could be a, a very skilled carver, but uh, they seem to be a little more primitive in nature. And then we have the next group would be called ancient skulls, which is, it seems like everybody wants to get one, but these are the ones that were made 2000 years, 5,000, 10,000, 100,000, a million, we do not know. The main trouble uh, is with, uh, when you find skulls is that the dating systems we have, like uh, archaeological dating, when they, they find a dig and it's an ancient uh, ruin or whatever, they'll use uh, carbon-14 dating. But, you know, all these skulls are minerals. So carbon-14 dating is not a living system. Right, so right. All they can do is date the other objects around it. But um, I believe, and I've heard from indigenous people who seem to have histories of crystal skulls, especially... Mesoamerican type people, although we have skulls coming out of uh, China, Mongolia, uh, Europe. I think really it's a, it's a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, so, um, but um, the ancient, ancient ones, um, there's no way to, what I'm saying is there's no way to date them. There's no way to know. So if you work with a person who, let's say is a sensitive, or has special spiritual gifts or psychic gifts, whatever you want to call it, they might be able to link into the energy of the skull. And that's kind of what I do too, is when I see one, I try to link into the energy and I get kind of like a sensing, you know, is this really a very old artifact or isn't it? But that's of course not a good way to prove it scientifically. But the ancient ones, you know, were made by very advanced civilizations in the past. And there are a few that I have met, which I believe you know, or I felt energetically could be ancient, or there's a large group of people who believe that. And the last category is um, apported crystal skulls. And apportation, for those who don't know what that is, is where an object appears in our reality coming in from seemingly nowhere. So we actually have one little tiny skull. Um, I forget the the uh, the name of the, the quartz. This is a problem. I'm going to be approaching 66 years old here in about two months from this broadcast. And what bothers me, especially as a speaker and a writer, 
is there are certain terms or names. I know what I'm talking about, but I can't bring it forward in my head. You know, what's that material again? Anyway, it was a green type of stone with a little, uh, maybe it was like opal, fire opal. I think that's what it was. And this one came through a spiritual medium who has objects that come through a vortex, either through his physical body, or in the case of this girl with about 40 other items like jewelry and other gemstones came from his mouth, literally dropped out of his mouth and landed on a towel underneath it, which were apported from spirit. So- Wow. So those are the, the four types of skulls that I've seen. And I can tell you that when this aborted skull came out, everybody knew who it was for because he gifts these objects to everyone. And I actually had a vision of this happening. And, you know, it may sound funny. And uh, I was just going to the bathroom and then I laughed to myself and I saw a skull coming through this person. And I thought, nah, it's my my imagination, I want that to happen, but that's exactly what happened. And it had an energy to it when it first came out that it felt like it didn't belong in this reality, but eventually it seems to have settled down. So, um, but it was a little kind of monkey's gut, wasn't human-like, but uh, fire opal was what it was made. So those are the different types of crystal skulls that I'm aware of, that most people are aware of, that have come up over the years. Now, as far as how did I get started, that was your real question. So I'll move on to that. Um, In the 1970s and 80s, after I had graduated from college, I started to uh, feel like everything I had been taught in school was wrong. And I started to look for other alternative ideas about reality. And that, of course, led me on going on to a spiritual path. Now, I was brought up in Judaism, but after I came out of college, you know, I just started to, to meet people who had, let's call them paranormal experiences. Uh, I felt those people were not lying. They were not making it up. And I'm the type of person when somebody presents me some other type of reality, I got to find out what is that? How could that be possible? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so I had to seek it out. And also being an Aries, I'm not going to give up until I get answers, you know. So I probably drove some people crazy. You know, this is in uh, 1970s and 80s. So then I was in my late 20s, early 30s while I was doing this. And um, so what happened was, is I started to, I put together a book in 1982 called Journeys of an Aquarian Age Networker. Uh, Crystal Skulls had not come up yet, but. Uh, once that book was published, it was self-published, I started traveling and lecturing, mostly talking about the Aquarian Age and, and UFOs and uh, some special experiences I had, synchronicity, coincidences, and so on. And then I went to this uh, metaphysical bookstore in San Jose, California. It's not there anymore, but it was across the street from Rosicrucian Park. And uh, I had met the woman who was the owner. It turns out that this woman actually had the son with the same birthday as I did. And I had this feeling like maybe she could have been my mother in a past life. We had a really good relationship. And so I went to her store in 1983. And I, you know, I showed her my book, uh, Journeys of an Aquarian Age Networker. And she was one of the first bookstores who carried it. And while I was there visiting with her, she took out these pictures of a crystal skull. So 
what I'm trying to say is prior to that moment, just like everyone else, I'd seen Arthur C. Clarke, Mysterious World. I'd seen books where there were pictures of crystal skulls. But I didn't think like, you know, I'm going to become so involved in this that people are going to start saying, oh, yeah, you should talk to Joshua. He knows all this stuff about crystal skulls. You know, so it just came up. But obviously it was my destiny. And I believe I've had many past lifetimes with them. So I'm kind of, you know, um, doing what I've done in other lifetimes, let's say. So when, so this is what happened to me. So I call this day one, April of 1983. I'm in this metaphysical bookstore. It's called the Ram Metaphysical Bookstore. The owner has seen with her friend, this amethyst girl, which today is known as me, which uh, unfortunately is with private owners. So I have no idea where this skull is, but at this time <coughs> it was sitting in San Jose. I think it could have been even in, the Rosicrucian uh, Park, uh, some uh, a Mexican um, shaman had brought it to the United States and he was trying to sell it. And um, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't there. It was there for some research, but actually it was at that time, it was with these um, businessmen and one of them had a art gallery. So he had it in the vault of the art gallery. So that's right, because I went to his art gallery a couple of weeks after I saw the picture so I could see the real skull. But anyway, my friend, owner of the skull, Francois, she pulls out this picture and shows it to me. And as I'm looking at it, I have what I call my inner earthquake experience where I start vibrating inside fiercely, like my body shaking. Then I had the outer earthquake experience while the picture's on the table and we're talking. And a real earthquake in California happens in Kalinga, California, which is, I think, about 150 miles south of San Jose. And the table's shaking on there. Now, the reason that I mentioned this is because when you have this type of coincidence right in front of your face, it's usually a message to pay attention. And then yeah. as I'm looking at the picture of the skull, I start hearing, let's say, telepathically, like the picture's talking to me as if there's a living consciousness connected to the skull, which is working through this picture. And it says to me, we are returning now to help humanity to create world peace. So Joshua, now that you know, what are you going to do about it? So that was, that was the beginning. And then, like I said, a couple of weeks later, I was invited to the art gallery and they brought the skull out and they said, okay, Joshua, you can touch it. So I remember I put my right hand on the top part of the skull. Now, some skulls are two pieces, like the most famous one is known as the Mitchell Hedges skull. It has right. a separate jaw piece, okay? And it is almost exactly like a human bone skull. This amethyst skull was a single piece of amethyst. It was smaller. It was more like a teenager size skull. And it had a different shape to it. Um, it had um, circular indentation in the temples, which our bone skull doesn't have. And just the shape that it was made, either it was stylized or it was made differently. But anyway, I put my right hand on the top of it and I felt energy going from the skull into my hand. And then I remember seeing in my mind's eye, so that would be like people have inner vision. I saw in my mind's eye, the skull was over my right shoulder. It was kind of like, you know, uh, floating over my right shoulder 
Um, and then um, after I had that ex those two experiences, I kept the picture and I would take it and start sharing it with people and so on. And then about two years later, then I met the co-authors of my first book, Mystery of the Crystal Skulls Revealed, Bowen and Nasserino, in the, by the San Francisco Berkeley area. And then I became very involved in it. And Mr. Nasserino was considered to be the expert on the subject. And so there was a lot of information he had, which I had the ability to learn more about and so on. So basically it's this amethyst go which started my journey. And um, I never forgot the message that it gave me. And I believe that, you know, if you could say like in one sentence, what are they about? These are sacred objects that are returning to assist humanity to create world peace. So that was the message I, I received. So that's how I got started. And those are the type of different crystal skulls that exist. So in your, uh, in, in your travels and stuff with uh, other skulls, have you had any similar experiences uh, around any of the other skulls? Yes, with all of them. Um, well, I shouldn't say with all of them, but with many of them. I, so let me try to give you some examples of other ones, because sometimes it's difficult to understand what happens to people around the skulls. If you talk to somebody who's had some experience. So let's take the Mitchell Hedges skull. So let's see, I think the first time I saw the Mitchell Hedges go was in 1985. I went to a conference in Dallas, Texas, and Anna Mitchell Hedges, who is the guardian of that skull, we call the person who has the skull a guardian. Um, you know, she had a little table and people could come up and sit with it. So um, I had read everything that I could about that skull and my co-authors, Nasserino and Bowen had actually gone to Canada I think it was the early part of that year or the year bef before, and they had done a tremendous amount of research with that skull. So I had a chance to see it. So I was curious, okay, I'm gonna get to meet this one. What kind of experience am I gonna have with this one? So what I remember was is that um, the first day of the conference, they had a party for like all the speakers so I wasn't a speaker, Mr. Nasserino was, but I was part of his party to support him. And also Miss Bowen was there too. And so what happened is uh, Anna Mitchell Hedges had put the skull on a table in the room, but you know she was away from there. And I thought if this crystal skull is somewhere in this room, I'm gonna energetically feel it. And it was like totally invisible to me. I didn't even know it was there until Miss Bowen came up and said, Joshua, what's wrong with you? The crystal skull's sitting on the table over there. Don't you want to go over and take a look at it? And so that was the first thing that one showed me is that it has its own ability to protect itself by making itself invisible. Oh, wow. Which is working with the consciousness of the people that are around. So um, I believe it was uh, once I went up to it and I start looking at it and feeling energy. Then when I went back to the hotel room after the party was over, I was in a strange mindset. It, it was as if something had come over me and I was looking at life and everything just seemed so simple. You know, the life that we have, especially right now with the pandemic and everything is very complicated. Do I go in a store? Do I have to wear a mask? Do I have to be six feet, 10 feet away from people? I mean, you know, just the way our life is, it was very complex, but whatever 
this skull did to me. It put me in a state of mind where I saw everything. It was so simple. But I cannot remember nor go back into that experience. It's like what happens to people if you go to a place on the earth where it has a very high energy vortex. Right. Like in, like in Peru, you know, once you leave Lima and you start going out to these sacred sites, it puts you into an alternate state of consciousness. And you start seeing things and experiencing things that you don't normally experience in nine, your nine to five normal everyday life so that's what happened to me the first time is i went into the state and then i fell asleep and when i woke up i couldn't go back into that state and then the next day uh, i went up to the booth where anna mitchell has was with the skull and i'm looking at it and i remember i looked into its eyes and i felt like i was connecting with something and i said to it whoever's listening or whoever i'm talking to I would like a truly conscious UFO experience, please. So I've had some of those, but not what I was asking. I was asking like, you know, you see the spaceship and you see the, the beings and you're talking to them and everything. Right, right. That hasn't happened yet. I expect it will happen, not just for me, but for all of us as we go through the transformation we're going through. So uh, to your audience, I'm going to apologize. I may say crazy things all over the place. But I'm just honestly sharing with you, you know, what happened to me and the insights I have and see if any of it makes sense to you or not. But anyway, um, and then the next thing that happened after I did that is all of a sudden Anna Mitchell Hedges says to me, uh, excuse me, Joshua, could you come and sit behind the skull here? I have to go do something. So I was literally sitting in her chair. And the other thing that I noticed is while I was in the presence of that skull, and people were asking questions, I was giving them answers. And I had hardly studied this at all. Now, when that kind of thing comes up, it just means on a soul level, you must be connected to that subject. That it's the energy of the skull is just activating that knowledge that I have from working with them in other times. So, but the skull is also giving me a message. If I'm sitting there, I'm acting as its guardian in a way. It's saying again to me, hey, Joshua, you have something to do to help, almost like a messenger for them, okay, to teach and to share the knowledge and the information that's encoded inside of them. So uh, those were all interesting, but now I'm going to go to the time of the Indiana Jones film because this is the most remarkable experience I've ever had with any crystal skull. Again, it was with the Mitchell Hedges skull, so I... I suspect both within me and the Mitchell Hedges go that I've personally worked with them in other lifetimes. That's what I believe. Like if you have these kind of experiences that come up, there has to be a soul connection somehow with it. You know, it's, oh, absolutely. it's not a random thing or you no, know, Oh, Joshua, you're just lucky. No, it's because before I was born, I, I probably said, okay, I'm going to come down here and work with these girls. And it was just like a me activated me. And the Mitchell Hedges skull took me to a whole other level, being in, a, in its presence. So now we come to, um, I'm trying to remember the year when the last Indiana Jones film came out, 2008, I believe it was. Okay. So in 2008, I'm contacted by the Sci-Fi Channel. And the Sci-Fi Channel has decided they're going to do a two-hour documentary on the Crystal Skulls before the Indiana Jones film comes out. 
So, of course, they find me because I'm all over the place on the Internet. And even though they did interview me, but they did not show it in there, I did get credit for um, uh, as a consultant. They did film research that we did with the Mitchell Disco, which they did not air. We were testing energetically its effect, both Portal de Luz as a modern skull and the Mitchell Hedges as an ancient skull effect on people. So some of the people who came with the camera crew, they were test subjects. We did this at a, because um, Mr. Holman, Bill Holman is the guardian of the Mitchell Hedges skull. So we were, we went to his house to film my interview and he took us to a local high school in the science department where we did research which a device called a meridian stress test system. So see, I'm still doing pretty good at 66. I remember all <laughs> this stuff so far. And the name of that device. A meridian stress test system is used in Europe to diagnose people uh, what kind of problems they have in their body. It's extremely accurate. It works with the meridian points which are accurate acupressure points on your fingers and hands and your body will not lie it will tell this device exactly what's going on and somehow they figured out once they do the measurements on all these meridians and they figure out what's going on then they test you they, they're able to test you to see if they give you a remedy how you're going to respond to it if it will help let's say the physical challenge or internal challenge that you have so it's a, a pretty accurate device. Medical doctors here in the United States, the last time I asked, they, they can't use it the same way as they're European to prescribe a cure. They can only use it for a diagnosis because right, it's right. very, very controversial. Can it, because it's working with um, an, a tiny electrical current that when it hits the meridian point, it tells uh, the person if that meridian point's in balance or not. So, and this is something they probably were working on in the early 1900s. And, um, there was um, uh, people that work with it. So anyway, um, after I met with Mr. Holman and we did this research and I was interviewed, I asked him if I could come back because I was living in Chicago at the time and he was in Indiana, which was an hour and a half drive. If I could come back and do a private meditation with the Mitchell Hedges skull. So I said, yeah, no problem. And I also brought some other people too. And we did our own little 25 minute interview with him where during the interview, he takes this skull and he has it on Lazy Susan. He's moving it around and he's showing you what it looks like and how the movable jaw works and everything. So it was, it was really good. So to prepare myself for this meditation, the, the most powerful meditations that I do is when I do it with music that I resonate with, and especially with a crystal skull. So what I decided to do for this uh, session is I had three personal skulls at the time. Portal de Luz, a 10-pound uh, smoky quartz skull, and then a two-pound smoky quartz skull made by the same carver called Geronimo Golden Eagle Eye. It's, our, it's kind of our indigenous skull, and then a small rose quartz skull. I took Portal de Luz, and uh, there was this little table that Anna Mitchell had just had, which I think came from France, Louis XV or uh, Marie Antoinette, something like that. It was a low-level table, so I had to you know, do a meditative pose on the ground. And I had my MP3 player with me so I could flip songs 
case, I could be spontaneous. So I had Partal de Luz's face to the Mitchell head of skull's face and the other two skulls behind creating a triangle around it. So initially the Mitchell head of skull was facing me on the side, okay? And then I went into my meditation. I was flipping different songs of music. And for the first part of the meditation, it was so peaceful and calm. I thought I was, it felt like this must be what heaven's like. That's how peaceful it was. So this to me is a clue of the possibility of what the crystal skulls can do with other people. They can help them to reach a place where they start integrating with their spiritual essence to have more peace and harmony in their being. And naturally what happens is the hundred monkey effect then is more and more people become more and more peaceful and more in touch with this harmony and balance. They're gonna act as a catalyst to activate that in, in other people. So it's kind of like the crystal skulls are a tool and the catalyst to activate the true nature of who we are, divine children of God. So I really had a powerful experience there. But then the second part of this meditation, I cannot say if I fully understand what happened to me. Uh, I have some different theories. So after uh, about halfway through, and I think I meditated for about 20 or 25 minutes, although I could have stayed there very long. And for an Aries to do one thing for a long time is unheard of. But I could have stayed there probably for hours, you know, just in meditation, enjoying that peaceful feeling. I sensed, now again, uh, let me try to explain how I did this, because it's the same with the, the amethyst go. So I'm, I feel energy like when i do a session for a person and i can do this if i have a picture of them or sometimes even if i hear their voice if i sense their vibrate vibrational essence i can feel what it's like to be them so i felt in the room as i'm looking and i turned the mitchell edge skull to be facing me now as i'm meditating and looking at it at the face and of course, the other three skulls are still around it. I felt in the room a very powerful presence to, in the air above the skull to my right as I was facing it. Okay. And so this is all I can tell you about this presence. It knew everything that there was about who I was, who I am. This presence was not a single consciousness. It was like a group consciousness. It had nothing to do with the earth's reality as you and I know it. So it had to be dimensional or some kind of spirit or, or whatever. And the other thing that I sensed is that it was changing me vibrationally. And I feel, although I won't say I'm 100% there because, you know, there's a couple of people who I may get loud with or whatever when I'm having a discussion, but I really, I don't get angry anymore quite. If you meet Aries people, they can get really angry at you and blow up and you want to get as far away from them as possible. But for me, being in the presence there with whatever I was having this contact with, it put me more into the neutral. And this is not an easy thing for us as human beings to be because we're, we're taught from when we're very young, if there's something we don't like, we judge it to be bad. We judge a person who does things we don't like to be bad. And right, right. Instead of understanding from the higher spiritual perspective that creator, now this is a powerful truth that came to me. 
So, and this is the way I do my interviews. Things just come to me and I have to say them or I'll forget them. So it's almost like a form of channel. So, <laughs> so being in the neutral means you don't judge. You say, okay, now you can say what that person's doing, I don't like, but you're not judging them. You're not trying to change them. Like when I do my session, I ask the person, I say, do I have your permission? I ask for permission, unless, of course, it's somebody I know well. Do I have your permission to share what I receive? And I will do the best I can to say it in a way so it doesn't offend you or hurt you. But I may tell you about your strengths and I may tell you about your weaknesses, what challenges you chose in this life, and what are some of your gifts that you may have no idea whatsoever that you have, okay? So, so being in the neutral means you, you know, you're not here to interfere. It's like, as we're doing this interview, my hope, and I do this even when I do the public talks I do, is that I'm going to say at least one thing, whether it's an experience or it's some wisdom that's coming to me, which I'm going to tell you a message I think I got from God one time that relates to this, that could help that person. Just one thing. Okay? And if they want to throw everything else out that's perfectly okay with me, I do not become offended because we each live in our own reality and creator has given us free will. So here's the message that I got one time when I was asking. I said inwardly to whoever was listening, you know, what could creator receive from each of us? We're so insignificant compared to the infinite universe that we find ourselves in what does creator receive by having each of us as individuals as life and the answer came your experiences of course now i don't know if all your listeners understand what that meant but i understood perfectly the concept is we are and i believe that there are parallel universes by the way like uh, sliders if anybody ever saw that show from the 90s that was a very good example of it, that there are other Earth with other aspects of ourselves who are making totally different decisions. So what the voice was saying, I don't know if it was God, my highest self, the guide or whatever, was saying, each of us is unique. And through our experiences of who we are and that uniqueness, that's what creator receives. So creator can experience every conceivable possibility without deciding what's right and what's wrong. So that was the message that I received. And that's what it means being in the neutral. And that's what I think this presence helped me with. So through me and through the Mitchell Hedges Go, I've given you, you know, some pretty intense experiences that I have. But I mean, there are so many different ones. And I'm sure as you ask some other questions, there may be some other stories that come up. But this is the one thing that people need to be aware of with the crystal skulls is that although I believe that they carry within them a living consciousness, there are some skulls I've met where man's inhumanity to man was done around them and they have absorbed those frequencies. Like for example, when I was in Mexico at a conference and people brought skulls I had never seen before that had been found in the ground all over Mexico, okay? There was one in particular that I tried working with and trying to help balance the energy and I was not strong enough to do it and I became sick. And again, as an Aries, I don't like to ever admit I have any weaknesses, which is probably too prideful, but um, 
I did have to ask for the help of a spiritual healer because I was in uh, a lot of pain and uh, I couldn't get rid of that, that energy. So I believe that the crystal skulls were initially gifted to humanity as a tool for helping us to awaken consciousness, but that humanity forgot how they were made, these advanced skulls. So they made duplicates and some of them they use for power and greed and maybe even um, dark ceremonies and the crystal doesn't judge the energy and some have absorbed some dark energy. So people who are proponents to the idea of a skull because a lot of us are told, well, you know, if you see a bone skull, it represents death and doom and evil. But how can that be? It's a part of us. Does that mean there's only one part of our body that's evil? No. Whoever created our structure, and I believe that the structure, humanoid structure we have, is very common in this universe, that as we meet our galactic brothers and sisters, most of them come in a humanoid form, even though they may look totally different than we look like. Um, yeah, I feel, I feel that's a very... I feel that's a very modern uh, ideology people have that uh, skull and bones uh, delineate evil. Um, when you go back, you know, even as, as, as recent as 200 years, it had a very different meaning. And uh, a lot of Eastern European cultures, a lot of, a lot of South American cultures were, were you know, skulls and, and remains were, were really um, cherished and, and, and were, were, you know, thought of highly, not uh, as evil pieces. So, Right. And, and the skull encompasses and compensates our brain, but also its shape, I believe, is conducive. The shape of the bone skull is conducive for us to receive on some level of consciousness, higher wisdom and knowledge from the universe, which then filters down into the waking consciousness. So it's like a pyramid. You go one third of the way down from the pyramid and it rejuvenates you and has special energy. The same thing with the shape of the bone skull. So in the past, some people say, you know, the priests wanted power over people and they had these crystal skulls. So they said only we can talk to them. And if you deal with them, then bad things will happen. to you. And uh, I don't believe that was their true intention in being gifted to humanity. It was a powerful tool to assist us into awakening to who we are. And I believe that that ultimately is what's going to happen in the future as the world we are going through this process of transformation now. There's no doubt about it. We all knew that this period of time would come where we were going to have great challenges. But really what's going on right now is the truth is being revealed, but it's the good with the bad. Okay, It's the good with the bad. There have been a lot of things going on behind the scenes. And I'll just use this word once that literally are pretty horrific. And I will not discuss it because that brings up fear. And we do not need fear now. Now we're moving in a direction. And as we talk about, you know, the three eBooks I told you guys we're going to be offering to your listeners. One of them called the messages from Argus, which is my future self. You know, when we get into that part, I can explain the visions that I've seen about the future and that paradise is coming here. Even though right now, a lot of people have no idea what's going on. Um, I would say back in June, right of last year, right before I went on Coast to Coast, which is one of the most popular radio shows we have for alternative information and the paranormal. Um, you know, I asked inwardly, I said, I want to know the full truth. And I started getting access to information all over the place. And, and also because of an experience I had, I started to, to understand, I believe, 
you know, what's really going on. So hopefully before we finish up today, we can talk about that because it's a little bit different from the skulls, but yet the crystal skulls still are a tool that has been gifted to us to help us to go into paradise. So do you think, do you think this was um, unlocked in you from the skulls? Uh, yes, I believe that um, because there is a high vibrational frequency around some of the very old crystal skulls that exist, or if you meet a crystal skull, that maybe you had a past lifetime that you worked with or you resonate with, that what they do is they start bringing out your, um, how can we say it, your, your God part, your spiritual part, you know, whatever you want to call it, divine yeah. essence. It's a catalyst for that. Now, at the same time, I've seen the crystal skulls. So now I'm thinking of a story again with Portal de Luz, which is our personal skull that mm -hmm. they act as a catalyst to do a healing. A healing can take somebody through where uh, they're releasing something which can be painful, but it's helping to release something that's not doing them any good. So here's an example of a healing that could help. So I was living in Holland and we were invited to go to Poland to do lectures about crystal skulls, to do some research about crystal skulls and to also offer private sessions. Fortunately, we were working with, what did they call them? Um, he was a doctor, but he was um, actually a spiritual healer, but they had a name for a magnetic healer or something like that. And he was very popular. And so uh, through his help and through the other man who was actually an MC for a show that talked about world mysteries, those two individuals really opened the door and I cannot even tell you how many sessions we had. I think three or four times went to Poland. There could have been like two or 300 yeah. people. That's pretty darn intense energy. I know every night after working with like 20 people a day, you were really tired. Yeah. But, but uh, what I'm thinking about is during this intense period of time, there was this young boy brought by his mother. And she said... Um, my son had some problem with his eyes. And so all I can relate the, the um, remedy the doctors were doing was kind of like a chemotherapy. Uh, I know some people have cancer and they've used chemo, which is actually a kind of poison to get rid of something in the body. So they were using chemicals to try to fix whatever the problem his vision was. And the problem was, is that every time he would go, after he had his treatment, he would be in bed for, you know, like a week or five days or seven days. So before yeah. he got a treatment, <laughs> the mother brought him to have a session with the skull. And so we had this session and everything. And I think that children, because what can happen with a crystal skull is what a person believes can block the energy from being received. But a child wouldn't do that. A child would say, oh, this is interesting. And just be totally receptive to receive whatever energies the skulls are going to send them. And um, so after he had the session with the skull, then he had his um, treatment and he was out playing with his friends the same day. So what I'm saying is, is that the skulls also can bring, um, can help a person who has a problem with health or it can bring a crisis of you know, where let's say a person has some sickness or something, it brings it up and releases it and gets rid of it. Or it can be emotional. It could be like, you know, some person 
has held this grudge or has this anger or something. So the skull will bring it up and intensify it and release it. So this is something else that the crystal skull could help a person with. So at first they might think, uh, I didn't have a good experience, but then all of a sudden they have a relief. They got a healing. So it just depends. And you cannot predict how each person's going to respond. Like I'm saying you know, taps into uh, maybe what they need the most. Yeah, but this is the other thing too. I kind of feel like there's this living consciousness in the skull and it sends out an energy to the person that's going to be working with it. And it knows what it has to do to help that person. And so in other words, you could see one skull one time and you see the same one again another time and you have a totally different experience because it changed you the first time. You're no longer the same person. Now you're a different person. Right, right. So, so that's, yeah. that's why I like them is they're unpredictable. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, heard. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, could you explain to me, because I, I, I want to say that I know a person that has a skull um, and she was telling me that it's like a, a recorder. Can you yes. explain that? Well, I think what she means by recorder is that the skulls have the ability to record vibration, everything that happens around them. So therefore, with some of these older skulls, once I believe that we have the right technology or the right sensitive person, they have recorded histories of the earth in the past and sacred wisdom and knowledge. And so it, so that's what I think that person means by being a recorder. It has all kinds of knowledge and information and energies, special energies inside. And of course, you know, there's prophecies that when a certain group of skulls, like they say the 13 skulls come together, they could be the catalyst that unlocks and takes us into a higher vibrational frequency, what some people are calling 5D. And then all of a sudden we have totally world peace, but also that they themselves have important sacred knowledge and information inside of them. Wow. Do you know more about these 13 special skulls? Are they? Well, well, related to the theory of the 13 skulls, there's a lot of different ideas about it, okay? It's not just one idea. So this is what I, what I feel, okay? And there's gonna be some people who are gonna agree and some who are gonna disagree. I feel, and this comes from soul memory, and maybe I played a role in this, I don't know. Galactics, higher spiritually evolved beings wanted to help the people of earth and they gifted a set of 13, a master skull with 12 around. And these skulls were passed down from civilization to civilization. And eventually there came a point in time, possibly during Atlantis, where darkness was taking over our world, that they were hidden for a future time when humanity needed it. Okay, so that's one possibility. Now, there's a book I wrote called, um, God, I can't believe I've forgotten. It's because I haven't touched it for a while. Search for the Blue Skull in Peru. Okay, it's where I talk about three trips I took to Peru and I had a vision of a blue skull and I was literally drawn to place in the northern part of Peru. Now, the reason I'm bringing that up is because when I was at this sacred lagoon high up in the Andes Mountains by the border 
with um, Ecuador in Peru. And we're talking about like 14,000 feet or something. I had this vision that there was a Lemurian temple in this area, that I was in this temple. There, were, there was a circular room. There were glass cases on the wall and each glass case held a crystal skull. I believe there were 13 there. I believe this sky blue, you know, which is kind of a whitish blue skull, which is the one I see around me all the time. And the one I was looking for when I was there, which I did not find because I believe it's not in the physical reality. It's in a higher dimension waiting until we're ready. It's too powerful. It's too powerful for people. So that's why it hasn't come down. But I saw 13 skulls there. So that, that could mean that possibly the 13 skulls were in Lemuria. And then when Lemuria was destroyed, they were taken to Atlantis. When Atlantis was destroyed, then they came into, you know, or were taken all over the world. Some came to North America, South America, Asia, wherever. And, and then the prophecy is when they come back together again, their combination of energy. At least I have a, a novel I've written where this actually happens in the story. The 13 skulls come back together and their vibrational frequency takes us from 3D to 5D. It just totally shifts the planet. Now there are other people like the Mayans talk about 52 skulls, which to me represents four sets of 13 because four times 13 is 52. They had a set of 13 skulls and three other indigenous type people have their own set of 13 skulls. So there could be multiple sets and then we have the inner earth connection. So this may blow some of your listeners away too. I know that the earth is hollow. There is a tiny sun at the center and gravity holds people to the inner surface just like it holds people to the outer surface that we know. And that there is an advanced race race of people, Admiral Byrd went in and he met them and they have their own set of crystal skulls. So this comes out in our first book I did with Nasserino and Bowen, Mystery of the Crystal Skulls Revealed. So there's a lot of different theories around it, but the key of all of this is, is the idea of one in 12, a master skull surrounded by 12 other skulls. That possibly in our solar system, there are 12 planets around our sun, three other ones, Okay, possibly one in front of Mercury, according to George Hunt Williamson, an early UFO contactee in the 50s, and two other planets in beyond the Oort cloud, like Nibiru could be one of those, and there's supposed to be another one. Uh, in Judaism, you have the Levites, the priests, and the 12 tribes of Israel. In Christianity, you have Jesus and the 12 apostles. He walked the America by L. Taylor Hansen, talked about a person like Jesus walking the Americas and picking 12 people from each tribe that he met. So there's something about the one in 12 that's relative to the earth. So that's, that's kind of what I know. I'm just rattling off stuff here. Oh, no, I'm fascinated. I'm, I'm grilled. I'm just sitting here um, fascinated. Right. So I don't know half the time what I'm saying. I just <laughs> go with it. So it may sound pretty fantastic, but I think we're living in very fantastic time. This is very important for your listeners to know. Whatever you believe to be true, get ready to have it all blown away. Literally, not only from the spiritual and the paranormal, but our history and what's been going on. I think all of our souls chose to be here now to live through an exciting and unbelievable time. It's just, it's still behind the scenes. Okay, 
some of us following a spiritual path, we see some of this stuff because we're ha having our own experiences or we're getting these messages or some of us are having contact with the galactics. So. Well, um, James, are you ready to, to go into the, um, the prophecies about the crystal skulls? Yeah, that's that's uh, exactly what I was fixing to ask, Hadley. That's what uh, okay. um, we were kind of talking before the show started a little bit on that. And uh, yeah, yeah, I'm really, really curious to uh, hear about this. Well, I think I've already given you um, part of that already. The idea that there may be a special set or multiple set of 13 skulls that come together that act as a catalyst to take the planet vibrationally into this time of peace and light that has been prophesied by many indigenous people. Um, I just think uh, that the crystal skulls, you know, they've been hidden for a long time and all of a sudden hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them have been coming out, uh, been found in private collections, dug in the ground. Um, you know, different indigenous people have it. So only thing I can say what I know after having met so many of them and listening to what communication that they've shared with me is that to me, when the crystal skull shot started showing up, it was a sign for me. It was like kind of confirmation. We will see a golden age in, in our uh, future and not too distant future. Okay, that's why they're returning to help us. So that to me is the most important prophecy. And I know that there are different indigenous people, whether they're mine or Aztec, Toltec, even Native American, that also have a similar type prophecy, whether it involves the skulls or not. I mean, there's the prophecy of the condor and the eagle, and the condor of the south meets the eagle of the north. This is a sign to those indigenous people that a time of peace is coming, and that has happened. The indigenous people of the south have been interacting with the indigenous people of the north. So um, from my perspective, uh, the crystal skulls is a visible, tangible sign that the prophecies of this happening is is absolutely correct, and that we all knew there was going to come this time where we were going to start facing some really heavy-duty challenges, which basically were brought out by the pandemic, and that that's a whole other discussion whether you know people buy into what we're being told about. So I don't. I don't want to offend people about it, but I've lost friends because of what I've told people that I truly believe. Now, what I want to say about that, and you can ask me more, is I had a coma experience, which is talked about in one of the three free ebooks I'm offering to your listeners, where I remember being at a meeting with, I guess, galactics and dimensional beings, and they were showing me the future of what was going to happen. I, this happened in 1990. And they didn't allow me to remember, but they told me that as you see things in your reality, you will know whether it's true or not. So as soon as the pandemic started, I already knew things about it. Even before, you know, the doctors started coming out, the experts started coming out and talking about what was really going on. So did you, so your experience with that, was it, was it similar to a deja vu? Uh, you mean the coma experience? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I think what happened was, is when I came back from the coma, I was out for three days. A van struck me from behind, but I was taken out of my body before that happened because I don't remember any pain. Okay, I was strapped down in a hospital bed 
and it was in a, in Las Vegas on a main street where they're driving 55 miles an hour. So, oh, wow. So I could have been killed, but I'm sure I was protected. And I'm sure that I made an agreement before I was born that I needed an excuse for the hospital to take care of me while uh, I was gone doing whatever I was doing. So what year did you, what year was your coma experience, Joshua? 1990, I think it was like February. Wow. It was, yeah, it was right before I went to Brazil to do these two huge lectures in front of five or 10,000 people, one on crystal skulls and one on UFOs. So how long were you in the coma? Three days. Three days. So I I came back the second day and the doctor said, do you remember the the truck that hit you? And I go, what the heck is this person talking about? Then I lost consciousness. Then I came back the third day and they explained to me what happened. So I was uh, uh, strapped down because the wandering souls in the hospital said, oh, Nobody's there. We'll take that body over because I was totally gone. So to answer James' question, it's, it started coming back to me slowly but surely. So in other words, I first the first thing is I saw myself in a large room. Like if you went to the Star Wars movie, not the first one that came out, but the first one in the series where Princess Amidala goes in front of all these galactic beings in the council in Trantor. I was in a room like that with all these beings. I was there to give feedback how humanity would respond to, because they wanted to help humanity to to go into, you know, higher space and the light. Um, How would humanity respond if we do this? Because they got to be really careful, okay? Um, You know, a lot of people would say, you know, if there's these higher beings, why don't they just come down here and solve all these problems for us? It's like Star Trek. They can't do that, okay? Mm -hmm. However, they have done it because we have what's called star people and star seed and crystal children, which are advanced beings who said, okay, I can't come in my true form. I'll incarnate as a human and then I'll come down and then I can do things on the human world. Because I know for a fact, and I have admitted this on some of the radio shows I've done, I'm what's called a galactic wanderer, okay, which George Hunt Williamson talked about in the 1950s which are the cosmic chimney sweeps who go from planet to planet and bring it into the light. So I think I've been to a lot of different worlds, which probably explains why I'm so excited that finally we're gonna have full disclosure and we're gonna be able to travel with our galactic brothers and sisters. We're gonna be able to go into the hollow earth. We're gonna be able to visit the cities on the ground. We're gonna meet Sasquatch. All these things that some people think are fantasy, it's going to become part of our reality in the future. Well, I can't wait. I want to know everything. Um, right. I'm just fascinated. I know earlier you mentioned that um, you were studying the Aquarian age. And I was just curious, now that we've entered it, is it like, are you seeing um, all these strands of things that you've been interested in over the course of your life kind of tying together? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I feel... Now, again, I'm going to be 66. So, you know, if you're a person that's just starting, uh, I've been involved since my early 20s, so 45 years, let's say, or whatever. Um, I just see the simplicity of everything, whether I'm in spirit or whether I'm down here. And uh, as far as the vibrational frequency of the Ukraine age, it represents, you know, working together, cooperation, brotherhood, and all that. 
people will look at the world that we're in right now and they won't see them, okay? Because of the pandemic, they'll see our freedoms are being taken and you know we're being separated from each other. Um, this is a personal opinion. Please do not take any vaccines. They're purposely creating everything for that to totally change us, change our DNA, control everything. Um, so it doesn't look like we're going into the age of Aquarius. But what we have to understand is that the vibration of planet Earth is getting higher and higher right now. And this whole solar system is going to go into a higher state of being. And the Earth is like the last planet. In order to finish it, it's kind of holding it back. On all the other planets in our solar system, there is life. There are people that live there, but they're not in the vibrational frequency we are. Okay, they're in a higher vibrational frequency. So like if you physically went there and tried to look for them and you were not working with your spiritual gifts, you would not see them. Now, this reminds me of a conversation I had because I was interviewing various spiritual mediums and I talked to a person who was channeling a Pleiadian and I said, um, would it be possible to go on your spacecraft and go visit your world? They said, you couldn't do it in your physical body. There's no water on our planet. You wouldn't survive. You have to go into your light body. So what I feel is, is actually happening on the planet Earth is Mother Earth is getting higher and higher in her frequency. And as her frequency gets higher and higher, it's pushing out all that which is not in alignment with that frequency. And basically all of humanity, and this is going to lead me into this, these interviews I'm doing with um, Gene Decode because he's talking about parallel timelines. Everybody right now is deciding which earth do they want to be a part of. Do they want to be a part of the earth where there's going to be paradise? Or do they need to continue the duality lessons that we've been going through here on the earth and go into another parallel earth where they would see what he's calling kind of like an Armageddon timeline? So we have the ability to make that choice by what we believe and what we think and what we expect. I know, and Mr. Decode also said the same, if you stay on this timeline, we are going to a world of total peace. But what's happening now is that which is not in harmony with what we're going is coming out to the forefront. Let's just look um, at the, um, what happened to President Trump that just finished yesterday with the impeachment. It was very clear if you really listen to the lawyers for both sides, that one side was totally out to get him and making up and changing reality to fit a scenario. And the other side was showing that this was not the reality at all of what was going on. And it actually showed that members of the side that were claiming he did this, that they were using the same words he was using that they claim incited the riot. Okay, I'm pretty, pretty clear and again, this probably comes from my Coma experience, that there were people who were paid gobs of money to look like Trump supporters and just go in and cause a mess. And actually some of the police just let them into the building. Okay. So they could create this, they call it a false flag scenario around what happened. So they could use it against Trump because they don't like him because he stood up to the people who are trying to, you know, take us in a certain direction. So, Mother Earth's vibrational frequency is getting higher and higher and higher. And so when it's doing that, it's 
forcing us to face that which is not in balance. I mean, you know, if you have some things that you're still angry about or, you know, you have some bad feelings about it and you can't release it, you know, then as Mother Earth is going into this higher and higher frequency, it's going to come out and you have to deal with it. Okay. But at the same time, as you deal with those things and release it, then something has to replace it, which is going to be the higher frequencies of life. So, so this is kind of the way that I see that things are happening right now. And um, I believe that in, remember in 2012, we we're talking about, oh, the world could end, the end of the Mayan calendar. And yeah, all yeah. That. Well, it was the end of that, um, what do they call it? The Mayan calendar has uh, different cycles. So it's the end of one cycle and it was the beginning of a new cycle. And there were right. all these people who were doing ceremonies and meditating in December of 2012. Well, we set in motion some special energies on the inner planes. And they have started coming out now, like seven, let's see, 2012. So eight, nine years later. Okay. What we initiated on the inner levels is starting to manifest on the outer level. So that's what I see what's happening. So what Gene Decode basically said, and his first, um, we talked about in his first interview, is each person is deciding where do they want to go into the future? Do they want to go into paradise? Or do they want to continue to have the challenges that we're facing now? There is different timelines of the earth. The Mandela effect, if you've ever heard of that, or one yeah, person, person remembered. So let's test, test you guys. Field of Dreams, did you see the movie? Yeah. What did Kevin Costner hear in the field when the voice spoke to him? Uh, if you build it, they will come. No. If you go to the movie, it says, if you build it, he will come. Mm. First, he thought he meant his father's hero, Shulis Joe Jackson. But then at the end of the movie, Shulis Joe Jackson says, no, Roy, it wasn't me. It was you. And his father's spirit appears and they reconnect. And all the things he couldn't say in life, he had the chance to say. But there are people who remember, if you build it, they will come, meaning the eight ball players, the eight Chicago White Sox, the souls of yeah, those players. Yeah. And by the way, I went to the Field of Dreams baseball field. It still exists. And I did go to the cornfield, but nothing happened. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, I, but I did get to pitch off the mound. I used to play baseball when I was young. So one young man you know, let me throw it, but I could not throw the ball all the way. I'd move up and I could just throw it up in the air and lob it over the plate. That was all I could. I had no power whatsoever. And it was very disappointing because I used to have a really good fastball, if you know baseball. Well, Joshua, just one more thing before we go. I know we've talked about the Galactics, but we haven't really gone into the detail about them. And I know that there's a way that you link them to the crystal skulls. Um, and I know we did kind of touch on it. I just wanted to kind of rehash that to make sure that I understood it completely. Sure, it's a good question. Thank you for asking it. So one of the questions we ask is, when we look at these skulls, some of them are done very precisely. They have these power. Where did they come from? How do we get them? Where did the idea come from? Uh, to build them. So some of the indigenous people said they're the gifts of gods, like the Mayans say they're the gifts of the grandfathers of the Pleiades. They brought the skulls to us. So this would be a connection with the Galactics. Another thing 
that has happened around the skulls is remember somebody said, are they recorder? They have actually recorded images of, of galactic beings and UFOs, spaceships inside of them holographically. So it means that they were around, they were observing them. Uh, and then the other key that I told you, which is directly linked to the galactics as well, is if there is such a thing as a hollow earth and there are these advanced people that live inside, uh, many of them come from other galactic origins. And instead of living on the surface where, you know, a meteorite can hit or the surface can have uh, massive earthquakes or disasters that affects it, if you live inside of the planet, it totally protects you. So uh, some of the galactic beings have actually, uh, you know, have cities or they live, they li live inside the earth. And this is um, these tribes of advanced beings in the center of the earth, they created their own set of skulls. This may be actually where the original set of 13 could possibly come from, is these galactics living inside the earth. They're very tall and uh, very, a very high vibration. And this will be part of the celebration when the earth goes forward. So these are clues. Now, the last thing I'll tell you is there are two different skulls I've seen that look extraterrestrial. One is called E.T., which is with Yoki Van Heeten, who is a Dutch lady uh, who I met when I was in Southern California. She actually had uh, my book with Nasserino and Bowen uh, drop into her hands off a bookshelf in a bookstore in Vancouver, Canada. And that's how she knew about me. So something made sure she had that book. And then she, uh, she called somebody and, um, that was listed in that book. And that's how she got that skull. Came through this person who had a store. And this skull looks totally alien. You know, it doesn't look human-like. It has kind of a pointed head, pointed jaw, very much different. And then there's another one called Synergy, which when I was working with that one, I saw what looked like a lion face, like maybe it was, there were uh, galactic beings humanoid form, but they had a lion head or face or something like that, because it kind of reminded me of them. So um, so these are just some things that have come up that, that show me that there is some kind of a link between galactics and the crystal skulls. Um, you know, I, I think, um, Oh yeah, and there was one other experience I had. I had a mold of the Mitchell Hedges skull one time. And I remember I traveled to Brazil and I was working with a UFO group there. And I was doing a meditation with that mold. And there was a young lady across the table from me and I'm sitting on the other side. And I had a vision that on board the spacecraft, they have crystal skulls, which talk to the crystal skulls that are down here on the earth because they're like communication devices. So it's like, you know, the crystal skull here is picking up and recording what's going on and it's relaying it to a crystal skull on board a spacecraft, which then they're able to use and, and process it. So maybe the crystal skulls were the first internet. I don't know. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. So that's kind of what came up. So can I talk a little bit about those three free ebooks for your listeners? Oh, please. Oh, please, please. Okay. Because I want to make sure we get that in there. Okay. So, um, we have three free ebooks that every time I do these kind of interviews, I offer to people. One is a hundred plus page ebook for free on crystal skulls. So it'll give you more information about the different types. It'll show you our skulls we have. It has a whole bunch of different articles. There's an interview 
with the Guardian of the Mitchell Hedgeskull, a lot of other things are in there. Um, also talks about a free online newsletter we have, so you can get that one. The second one that I offer talks about these videos that I watched. There was a time where my um, Divine Light partner, Katrina, was visiting her family, and I was all alone when we lived in Seattle, and I start watching all these YouTube videos, and I became convinced from watching those videos that we are in a computer simulation. So what I did is I put together a book with all the things. I mean, it was just like one after the other, different aspects of it. So I have another free ebook about that that people can read. And the last one is the one I mentioned before I did before I went on coast to coast in June of, of um, let's see, is it last year? Yeah, I guess it's last year um, where I put this message from my future self is called Arches from 2037 to 2040. Again, Brazil, I was, uh, I had a computer with me and all of a sudden I was seeing these visions of the future and I just started typing what I saw. And I felt like it was coming from this future self I'm going to become. So I, I heard I should do a book about it and I talk about the coma experience in there. So that one's called Messages for Arches. So if any of your listeners would like to get the book, I actually have a webpage, but it's the name's too long. So what I'm going to suggest is you send me an email. The main email I work with is Crystal Skull Explorers. That's all one word, lowercase. CrystalSkullExplorers at gmail.com. Just send me an email and put in a subject. I, I heard your interview. I would like the three eBooks. And I also can send you this guy, Gene DeCode, is absolutely amazing. He's talking about things that are really going on and happening in our world. This is a man who can see multiple timelines, who actually physically died, went in front of God. God said, would you like to go back and help? And he said, yes, I would. He does not have the silver cord connected. Okay. And he has just amazing stuff. So we just have two interviews. We did one last month, one a couple of days ago. I will throw those links in there also in the email so you can listen. Um, we had almost 2,000 people come to his first interview like in a matter of days. A lot of oh, people wow. have heard of him. And then, of course, in the in the ebooks or in the email, I can also give you our website too if you want to go to the Crystal Skull website. You know, you can take a look at what we have there as well. Sounds good. And um, Joshua, what do you have coming up? What are you working on? Um, that's a good question. What am I working on? <laughs> well, so this is probably going to sound strange, but this is what I believe is going to happen. Okay. There is groups of people call them white heads, the Alliance. I believe they're working with president Trump. I believe these generals came to Trump after Obama was president and said, uh, We'd like you to be president. You're the only one we can trust and we need to bring things in. I believe that possibly before the end of this year, the truth is going to be given. We will have a true republic here in the United States instead of the corporation that was created in 1871. You can look up these things, okay? This is just what I believe, okay? Some of it's pretty incredible. We're going to have access to advanced technologies that the galactics have given us, which has been suppressed. Um, we're going to be meeting with them. So 
I think that what's going to be coming up for me and a lot of other people is a lot of people are going to be in shock when they learn the truth of what's really been happening in our world and um, how we integrate with the spiritual part. So I have a feeling I'm being prepared uh, to hold people's hands with that uh, so that they don't go crazy, so they can deal with this and believe that, you know, their silent prayer to have peace on this planet is really it's going to be happening. We're very, very close to this. Um, so I think that's going to be part of it. I also have the idea of creating a spiritual center where, where like key information, like a lot of the things I'm talking about, and also to help other people who are like musicians, writers, you know, who have other things to share with people, but they have no resources that maybe we can help them do that. And I need to travel again, but I can't do it right now to go out and, and talk and do the lectures because of what's going on with the pandemic. I just don't feel like, you know, it's the right time to do that, but I can see myself doing that. And then um, there's two books that we have through Amazon. One is uh, this blue skull I talked about briefly in Peru. I talk about the three journeys that I took for them. But the, the other book is a novel. First time I did a novel with my friend, Karen Tucker, and it's a trilogy. And we only did the first book, uh, which basically introduced you to the main character. And it's about a person and the blue skull shows up in that one. So that's why I link these two together, where he is invited by the beings on the other side to go through a dimensional door in the northern part of Peru, exactly the place I went to look for the blue skull through a dimensional door and they record everything that happens to him and he comes back to the earth and people are able to experience and hear exactly what happened to him when he was on the other side. And because of that, that's what brings total peace to the earth. So I think that I'll probably be working on the second book, which is where uh, the main character is on the other side. That's very what, diff difficult what, to write. What's the name of that book? What was the uh, name of the book? That book is called Journey into the Unknown and Back Again. So we have we have volume one done, and that I uh, have on our website. And then we started volume two, Karen and I started, but then I just uh, stopped doing it. I just felt like it wasn't the, the right time to finish it. So, and I, I actually, I wanted to bring um, something like the field of dreams into the story when he's on the other side, where, um, he's able to play for because the Chicago Cubs is his favorite team. So the most best players of the Chicago Cubs who passed away play against the New York Yankees and Shoeless Joe plays for the Chicago Cubs. And what we actually did is we took a fantasy baseball game. I did it with a friend and we played those games. So all I have to do is just say what happened in those games, but he does it in heaven. Oh, fine. So, I mean, you know, I thought that was going to be a really fun chapter to write. So, yeah, so that's what that book is. So the first, yeah, so that, well, it's on, the first part's on the website. You get, get to meet the, the main character. It's really autobiographical, but, you know, it just tells you how he gets invited. It's like, you know, the book starts where he's just walking, about to walk through the dimensional door. And then we tell you how that all happened. And then he walks through the dimensional door. And then, of course, the first book stopped. So you have to get the second book, which we haven't yeah. finished writing yet. That's the really exciting book. Well, Doctor, it has been a delight talking with you this afternoon. I guess it's evening there on the East Coast. But um, 
It's been right. a pleasure speaking with you today. So can I give a final message? Oh, please. Please, please. Okay. So this is a message about what's happening now and what I suggest for all of us to do. Okay. Now, I'm just your spiritual brother. You can totally disagree with me. You don't have to follow this. But I've been thinking about what could I say to other people to help us so we can deal with the craziness that's been going on since last year. Okay. So the key is do not come from fear. Okay. Which means you can't listen to the main media because I believe whatever they're telling you about what's going on, they're not telling you the truth. Telegram is the place. And if you email me, I can tell you which channels I suggest that you get involved with, where there are people talking about what I think is going on. Pray every day and visualize this, this very peaceful future. Just visualize it. Because the more of us who visualize it, we co-create it. Okay? And also know that God, his angels, and the divine are involved in what's happening here. Okay? He's not going to let us down. But we, we have to be involved. Whatever it is that makes your heart sing, that's what you're here to do and help. And like, I, like when you were asking me what I'm going to do, a lot of you listening, there are going to be people coming to you. Oh, you know, you're involved in all that spiritual paranormal stuff. I need to know about it. Or why are you so happy? Or why are you so at peace? I want to know about it. So be ready. We're going to be the teachers of the future and also all these young children who are very aware. They're going to be helping too. So stay in the positive. Do your prayer. Do your visualization. Do fun things. You know, trust your intuition. Trust your gut feeling and use your discernment. Okay. And that involves with the vaccines, with the masks. I mean, when I project my energy out, I'm 66. I have not had any problem with this virus, this COVID. When I project my energy out and I'm walking outside with people, I do not sense it anywhere. What I believe happened, and again, this is my personal opinion. It came out of China. When it first came out, I saw video what happened in China. It was horrific. A lot of people were getting sick, but it's mutated. And I don't know where they're coming up with these numbers that they're saying of people caught it or passed away. It's lies. It's not the truth. And I'm not the only one that feels that. Okay. So think about the things that are being presented to you. Don't blindly accept because some authorities see on TV tells you or whatever. That's my suggestion. Or send me a message. Listen to Gene Decode. He talks about what's really going on too. He'll give you a lot more insight. My partner, Katrina, listened to the last one and thought it was a really good one where we were talking about what's going on now. Because a lot of people thought by the time of the election, Trump would continue. Okay. Now, this isn't about politics. This is about the light versus the darkness. That's all coming up. So I hope that makes sense. I'm just trying to be, you know, neutral, diplomatically neutral, but positive for the future. I can only see paradise coming for us. That's all I can see. So it doesn't matter what somebody tells me. The, la the last clue I have for this is, I just remembered this. This is real important. And I talk about this in the Arges book too. There is something called Project Looking Glass. I don't know if you guys have heard of this or not. Have you? Yeah. Okay. What Project Looking Glass was, they took it from the Stargate technology they got from the ETs. And they were able to create a device where you would be in its presence and project 
like something you want to do, and it would show you the potential of what could happen in the future. Okay. There was a person interviewed by Kerry Cassidy who worked on this project, and he said that let's call them the globalist, the lead, whatever name you want to use. They were using it to plan out what they were going to do, but then they had a problem because Project Looking Glass, no matter what thing they were talking about, it would only show them one future, and it wasn't the future they wanted to have. And this man who talked about it, he said he compared it to the game of chess. It's like two master chess players are playing, and eventually they come to a point in the game where they, know, where they both know what the result is going to be, and there's nothing they can do about it to change it. So that's what they were seeing in Project Looking Glass a positive future that was coming, that no matter what horrendous act they did or whatever they tried, including this pandemic, it is not going to change that positive future. So that's really, really cool. So I hope it gives people some hope that this is going to be a great year. Don't, let, don't give your power away. Do the things you enjoy, go day by day. And if there's any way that I can help to guide you towards certain information, if you wanna know more, feel free to contact me. Again, the email is crystalskullexplorers at gmail.com. So guys, thank you so much for having me on your show. I hope I wasn't talking too much. But I just have, great. Great. I just and, have a lot to share right now. So <laughs> I think it's great. And I am going to be putting those links um, in our uploads. Um, okay. so be sure to email me everything that you want me to include and I'll include it in our descriptions. Okay. I'll send you an email here before the end of today so that you have the, the links of the free ebook and the links to Gene Decoder and the website, you know, so people can go to any of those and take a look and, you know, it's all free. Um, so, and you just decide for yourself if you agree or you don't agree. My job isn't to convince anyone. I just share what I feel is the truth and you take from it what has meaning for you. Well, I hope everyone's going to take to mind what you said about um, doing what makes your heart sing, because I think that's the truth. I think we all need to be following our dreams. But it sure has been a pleasure, Mr. Shapiro. Excuse me, Joshua. It Joshua, has been a pleasure. Yeah. And I have to say, you have been a great first guest for our Weird Ink podcast. Well, I've had a lot of practice. I did a lot of shows last year, so, and I still have a bunch more to do so far this year, so. We're all, we, we all have our role to play. So I know that my role is to, is to share different things and, you know, hopefully something I've said is helpful. So that's the main goal. Well, we appreciate you sharing your knowledge. We sure do. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, thank you so much. A pleasure. Right. To, to an amazing 2021, right? That's right. Absolutely. All right, well, James, great first show. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, I guess we're going to wrap it up here, and um, we'll be coming back, I guess, sometime. I think we'll be uploading this on Wednesday, and then Friday, you and I will be interviewing um, Mr. Matt Adams, and we'll have that um, hopefully uploaded next week. So we're going to be busy. Yeah, make sure I have the link of the upload and I'll post it on Facebook for people. We definitely will. Thanks, Mr. Shapiro. Okay, thank you, Hadley, and thank you, James. Have a good evening. Thank you.